This whole month, we've been talking about love, and we've been doing it. Um, well, actually, I'll share with you how someone mentioned it to me week before last. So I did this, and I thought it was a lovely sermon. I don't know about you, but I thought it was a, a decent sermon. And afterwards, this woman came up to me, and she said, you know, I think you're doing love completely inside out. And initially, of course, my thought was, well, she means I have it backwards or wrong somehow. She meant we're doing it inside out. And I think that's very true. We're going to talk about that some more today. We're using this great book called True Love of Thich Nhat Hans, and, and we actually finally have it in the bookstore too, or a second wave of it. So if any of you have been looking for the book, you can get it in the bookstore. It's a lovely book by Thich Nhat Hanh. And I want to start out in an unusual place to talk about love. I want to talk about emotional pain to start with. I would suspect that everyone in this room sometime in your life has felt emotional pain as a result of love, as a result of being in a relationship with someone. Whether it was uh, the relationship of a, of a loving parent that caused us pain, whether it was a relationship of a spouse that said things or did things. Maybe it's our own children that have somehow gotten caught up in drugs or alcohol or something that caused us pain. I doubt that there's anyone in this room that has escaped so far in life without feeling some emotional pain around relationships. And Thich Nhat Hanh would tell you that basically it's inevitable in a way that if our hearts are open enough to experience pain, then they are open enough to experience love and vice versa. That, that really the ability to experience great joy through love is that same ability that opens us to the idea of also experiencing pain. But there are two things that then he goes on to say. The first is that the pain can be healed. And he uses a lovely metaphor. For those of you who are uh, moms or dads, I think, in particular, you've probably noticed that a young child will go out full tilt playing in the backyard or on the swing set or whatever to the extent that a certain amount of cuts and bruises and things like that are um, uh, certainly hardly to be avoided. And so what happens? The, the child scrapes and he zips into the house in tears and what happens? Ideally, the mom or the dad is there. And I tell you, within seconds, way beyond the application of a Band-Aid, right? They are back out the door, <laughs> bent for more hell-raising. Do you know what I mean? Bent for having more fun in the world. And I wonder if it's really that they even needed the Band-Aid, or is it that they needed the confirmation for mom and dad that they are okay, that they are loved, that, that life is okay, and, and to begin again, to have some more fun, that the emotional pain was probably a little bit more than the physical pain that you know was sustained through the cut or the bruise, and just that easily handled with a Band-Aid, a kiss, and maybe a hug. Well, I found uh, an interesting joke about pain I want to try out on you, and we'll see if this relates at all. So a woman and her husband, on their way to a disembarking boat cruise, had to stop by the dentist. I want a tooth pulled and I don't want Novocaine. We're in way too much of a hurry for that, the woman said. Just extract the tooth as quickly as possible. We gotta get to the dock within about 25 minutes. Well, the dentist was uh, a little wary, but also impressed. He said, you're certainly a courageous woman. What tooth is it? She smiled and said, show him your tooth, dear. <laughs> 
And I, and I wonder, you know, we may be quick to comfort others, but when we're the one that's feeling the emotional pain, when we're the one that needs the uh, proverbial dentist, how well are we at providing comfort and love to our own self? We use that illustration of the, the mom or the dad doing the quick band-aid, but, but the encircling love and how quickly that healed emotional pain. Are we ready to do that for ourselves? I wonder. Thich Nhat Hanh says that emotional pain ultimately subsides when we are loving to ourselves. And, and I think we've experienced this too. Uh, when emotional pain does happen to us, is it just over and done and you're on with it? Or does it tend to circle around and maybe a month, maybe a few weeks, maybe even years later, something will trigger us an idea of what happened or what was said. And, and aren't we often right back there again, feeling those same feelings almost as though it's happening again. Thich Nhat Hanh would tell you, this is because we have not been ministering to ourselves. We have not been loving and gentle to our own self as we're feeling that pain. And his rule of thumb is, let it flow. Let it come up in us again. Not to relive the event, mind you. Not to find some kind of solution in something that happened in the past. But simply to nurture ourselves in a loving and committed way much as that mom would nurse the child, we're going to nurse our own feelings so that if a feeling of pain or anger or helplessness comes up, even if it's something that happened a long time ago, we're going to wrap ourselves in that mental blanket of love. We're going to say things to ourselves like, yes, here is this old feeling of pain again, and you are worth experiencing it, maybe this time for the last time. We're not going to try to suppress it. We're not going to try to um, use it as some weird diagnostic tool to say, oh, if only I would have done this, if only I would have done that. No, we're not going there. But we are going to allow ourselves to feel it. Here's what Thich Nhat Hanh says about this way of handling our emotional pain. He said, a mother is a very talented person. She only needs two or three minutes to figure out what is wrong with a child. When the understanding comes, the mother transforms the situation immediately. And it is the same thing with ourselves and meditation. When you have pain within you, the first thing to do is bring the energy of mindfulness to embrace the pain. You can say something like, I know that you are there, little anger, little pain, my old friend, breathe for I am taking care of you now. So rather than a suppression of our feelings, rather than a, like uh, thinking I shouldn't be feeling this, it is that heartfelt sense of knowing perhaps that some pain is inevitable, but that the love of the universe, the love for ourselves, is a huge and healing force. Now, the reason for all pain, and, and, and I love this kind of Buddhist take on love that we're doing this week, by the way, um, this month. The reason for all pain, Thich Nhat Hanh will tell you, is because we as human beings have decided we're going to carve the world into two halves, the good half and the bad half. 
the joyful half and the painful half. He will tell you that it is through us dividing up the universe into the good and the evil, the, the God and the devil, the, the seeing things as though it's an either or that creates all pain. Even the pain that we face in relationships. He would say, uh, okay, so when you come together, maybe for the first time and you're meeting someone new, whether it be for a friend or a romantic affair, initially, isn't just the, the blush of love on everything? And doesn't that person just seem incredibly beautiful and sexy and, and wonderful? And, and, and like a, a, you immediately can agree on what movies you want to see together. You immediately can think of the restaurant you want to go to. And it seems as though there's magic in the air. And then, <laughs> right? About six months later, right? Same two people. And oh my gosh, it takes an hour to figure out what restaurant you're going to go to. Well, I don't like that one. You know, the service is bad. And I don't like that one. The, the food gives me heartburn. And the, the same with movies. It's like, you always want to go see those action movies. And there's nothing in those for me. And, and the other person's saying, yeah, right. Like, I really want another ro unrealistic romantic movie. And, and it kind of goes on from there. Now, have these two people really changed? I don't think so, but I think what has changed is our desire to be uniformly good. Because when we first get into a relationship, there's a part of us that wants to be the best, to be the most loving, to be the sweetest, to be the brightest and the smartest and, and the whatever. And for a while, we live up to that because we think that's what right a good person should be like. And so there's this kind of idealized idea of what I am, what you are in that relationship, and it lasts for a while. And then the more reality of our own lives comes out. And, and we do have different agendas. There are different kinds of movies we like and different kind of foods that we want. We do have our own mark to make in the world, and they tend to, now and then to come together like this. But does it mean that we've gone from being good people to being bad people? See, there's the mistake in relationship, I think. I think when the, the, uh, the curtain comes off to unveil the whole person, which you know happens maybe six months later or eight months later, maybe a year later, I think there can be that idea of, well, who is it that I fell in love with anyway? This isn't that wonderful and, and beautiful person anymore. This is a person not that much different from me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like that me that's just full of faults as well as full of virtues. And the human mind loves to put labels on things. Our human mind loves to divide the world up. There are those people you can trust and those people that you can't trust. There are those people that are wonderful and those people that, that are really rotten. There is the black and there is the white. And I'm here to tell you, that is what causes us pain. People just are. And a lot of what happens to us just is. And it's the collective consciousness of all of us as individuals that create this interesting mix of both love and, and chaos, the interesting mix of, uh, of trouble and joy, the interesting mix of sometimes pain and sometimes great joy. And there's no way we're uniformly going to experience the world only as one thing. 
And so for us to arbitrarily divide up the world into that which is good and that which is bad, and especially people, when we begin judging people as good or bad, simply because of the way they show up on a certain day, simply because of, of what they may have said in the heat of their own having a bad day or a bad moment or out of anger or something like that, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, the trouble we have created for ourselves and our relationships. Think of life maybe as like composting for a minute. <laughs> I thought I'd get a laugh out of you. But, but, but think for a minute. Someone who composts, whether it's the waste products or the leaves or even the flowers themselves, they go back into the heap because what we know is going to happen is it is going to be an incredibly rich medium for the seeds of the next growing season. Perhaps if we thought about life that way, whether it comes to us as pain, whether it comes to us as joy, whether it comes to us in the times of trouble or great bliss, stuff's going to happen in our life, right? Think of that not as something that should be judged as bad or good, not that you've done a bad or good job in creating your life. Think of it simply as the compost of life that has gotten you to this very rich place right now. All of your experiences, good or bad, all of the relationships you've had, whether they seemed very blissful or full of uh, confrontation, have gotten you to this point right now where you know better what it is you want, right? When you were in that first high school relationship, right? You thought love was one thing, and oh my gosh, <laughs> to find out that love is so much different than that. When you perhaps, uh, some of us have maybe had a marriage and a divorce or a, or a partnership that dissolved, right? You are not the same person you are now. You have more information about what's useful to you, what's important to you, more information about what love is like. You are in a surprisingly, perhaps, great position now to know more about what you want. And all of the rest of that was that, that compost. All of that is setting you up to be able to plant seeds of newness in your life for a great relationship, for true love, for greater harmony in your family, you are poised at that point of wonderful decisions and a loving life. And it's as much from the, pardon me, horse manure that went into the compost as it is from the flowers and the other fertilizers, right? You, uniquely you, are built up of everything that happened to you. And you're in a great place to move forward. Now, as it is with life, so it is with love. If what causes us pain in life is trying to divide things up and call them good and bad or good and evil, if that's what causes us pain, those unrealistic expectations of what that ultimately good person might be like in terms of their actions and their deeds, that's what gets us in trouble with love as well. We're right in there trying to think of both ourselves and the people that we hang out with, whether they're friends or, or lovers or spouses or partners, 
And we try to do the same thing. And when, uh, when our loved one does something that doesn't quite match up with that idealized version of what a perfect husband or a perfect wife, a, a perfect lover or a perfect parent would should do, don't we feel cheated? We feel like you didn't live up to my ideas. Now, now think about this. From a metaphysical standpoint, why should anyone live up to your ideas of what they should be? This is the pure definition of madness, and yet it is. It truly is. And yet so often that is where our mind has gone. We've got a very clear idea of the way other people should behave, and when they don't meet up to it, not only do we find their um, behaviors and their speech not to our liking, we're even apt to just think that they're a bad person. And oh my gosh, when this is true for the people closest to us, when the people close to us do something or say something that seems wrong, that seems hurtful, that seems less than, oh my gosh, doesn't it feel like a knife sometimes? Doesn't it feel like a little bit of death has just creeped into our hearts? But I got to tell you, this isn't from them. They are not plunging the dagger into our hearts, it is we who are doing that. Because what they did was just a thing. What they said was just some words. And I would bet if you even went back to them in a calmer moment and said, what was your intention here? Their intention wasn't even to harm us. It was probably something said foolishly or, or something that was said or done um, you know, quite uh, unawares. And yet here we are, through our own interpretation, through our own saying, this is good or this is bad, coming to great pain in our own heart because we have internalized it. And by that I mean so often when other people do things, we think that this has somehow diminished us. We cannot be diminished. Our ability to love and to experience joy and to be happy, our ability to feel worthwhile, our ability to be whole and uh, enjoying life is fully within our purview. No one can do it to us. No one can really even suggest it to us but that the seeds of suggestion aren't in our own minds. And so if we are ever feeling unloved, if we are ever feeling put upon, the feelings arise here. And much as we learned about that loving, caring sort of mother-father energy, we can also attend to them. And so if a relationship seems like it has gone south and it is bringing up sadness in us, we don't have to wait for that other person to make a change at all. We can minister right here to ourselves with that same arms of love. We can be there 100% for ourselves, not closing our heart down, not changing our ability to love and be loved. We can address our own feelings of sadness, our own feelings of pain, our own feelings of woundedness by ourselves. That really is where the pain started anyway. That really is the only place that the pain can be managed, is right here in our own heart. And so as with life, so love prevents us with 
Life presents us with more stuff. We are that compost heap. I, I don't know how to say it in a nicer way. Life and love is going to present us with the flowers and the leaf blower cuttings. Do you know what I mean? And our job, whether it's... I know, it's true, though. And our job is to know that our rich, rich experiences of life and love have brought us to the point where we can choose differently. We can choose to know that love is from within. As the woman two weeks ago said to me, yes, we are doing love from the inside out because that's the only way we can do it. We're rising up on this compost of life itself, of all of the good, all of the bad, and all of the sideways, everything that has made us exactly what we are today, we're going to use that as our foundation not to build a house on sand anymore, but with that solidity of spirit itself that is always loving. We are going to use that firmness of our own self-knowledge and own self-love to create a life that is beautiful. We know how to do it, even as a mother instinctively knows that all is needed is a band-aid and a hug, right? And the kid's right out playing again. Instinctively, we also know that we can cure our own emotional pain. We simply have to love ourselves enough. Who here has ever been to maybe even a a public situation where someone came in the room, maybe it was the the speaker who was going to speak, but but maybe not, and suddenly someone just came in the room and it says, though everybody turned. Have you ever experienced that? Where where kind of, it's as though, even though the, the music is still playing or whatever, it seems like a little bit of a hush falls down and like maybe a third of the eyes in the room turn to see who that person is. Do you know what that is? Well, they call it charisma. But do you know what charisma is? It's loving yourself. What makes people like that so attractive is that they have a confidence, a self-confidence in their own self that they are lovable that they are worthy of being given love, that they are worthy of, uh, uh, of having attention paid to them. It is that self-knowledge of self-worth. And I don't think it's anything more than that. I don't think it's the, the outfits that they wear. I don't think it really has to do even with what they're going to say. In fact, I've known sometimes just the most absurd things to come out of people's mouths like that. I don't think they have the corner on any great wisdom of the world except that they know they are worthy of love. This is love from the inside out. This is knowing love first here and knowing that that inevitable attractiveness that the love here creates brings the friends, brings the people who want to be with you, brings the relationships that are loving and enduring But it is the confidence here. It is that self-love. It is that ability to take even our own pain and turn it into something else over time and with that nurturing spirit. That, I believe, is love from the inside out. And that is what I would wish for all of us today. I'm going to summarize just to cover the, the couple main topics we talked about. First of all, the idea of emotional pain. 
We're probably not going to escape life without it, but we have the power to simply live with it gently and with love, and it dissipates. It may come up again later on, a year later or so. It will be less then. And with another application of mindfulness and love and holding oneself gently and lovingly, eventually it will pass. The second thing we talked about is this idea of dualism, that if we are too um, intent on dividing up the world into that which is good and that which is bad, that which is evil, that which is suitable, if we're going at life from that perspective, what we're going to discover is great, 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 great joy and great, 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 great pain. If instead the things that happen to us, if we treat it like compost, if we treat it just like as stuff that happened, but poising you in that place of making better decisions, of making better ideas of what you want to experience, then you can turn all of that negativity that may have happened into the positive movement forward of your own life. And so this is what I hope for us. Let me conclude with a, a, another final reading from, uh, from True Love. But what I really hope for us, what I, what I really plan in my own life is this sense of starting with the love in here first, knowing that that's what transforms my world. It eliminates and uh, remediates the pain that I may have felt currently or in the past. And that same self-love, that same self-nurturing is what makes all of us so darn attractive. It is what allows the world to see us through that eyes of love. It is what allows us to bring more life, more love, and more joy into our own lives. Here's how Thich Nhat Hanh concludes this section. He says, There is no battle between good and evil. No battle between positive and negative. There is only the care given by the big brother to the little brother. In Buddhist tradition, we observe, we act in a non-dualistic fashion. And thus, the waste materials of the conscious mind can always be transformed into flowers of compassion, of love, and peace. And there always will be waste materials and flowers, both, in us. The wise gardener knows how to transform all of it into compost and then transform that compost into the flowers of life itself. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, and one love. I know that there isn't anything outside of God, anything separate from God, and I know that means me so that God is indwelling. God is that inside out that is represented in my own life. God is truly every person, everything, every situation. And that includes the things that in my humanness I might tend to think of as bad or negative. God truly is it all. All of the compost, all of the life experiences is God. And because of this, I can embrace in my own heart that idea that all is ultimately good. That the seeds, that the flowers, that the love born in my own heart manifest out into the world. That as I love myself on the inside, so the world begins evermore to love me on the outside. 
And I know this is true without question for me. I know it's true for each person in this room that as each person here becomes a better lover of the self, better at ending our own pain, better at finding out truly what love is for us and satisfying those emotional needs with our own love and our own joy and our own peace. I know that each person here also experiences greater love, greater joy, greater happiness in the outer world. And so it is with a lot of love and a lot of gratitude that I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I just let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thank you.